From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion email show for July 24th, 2008. Had to look it up. From Orlando, Florida, I'm Pete Werner. And we're joined by a whole lot of people today. Well, Mom and, Mom and Kevin left, but uh, Walter, Walter Eccles, Will Perry, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, John Magi, and Teresa sitting over in the peanut gallery. Although... Really, technically speaking, even though Will and Walter are sitting at the table, they're not like doing the show today. So, and Julia is still at home with her sister. And Julia is still at home with her sister a day later. <laughs> um, so we have uh, we have a lot of voicemails and a lot of emails to get through. I'm not going to spend too much time. I'll go through the regular spiel. If you want to email us, it's podcast at wdwinfo.com, or you can call us toll free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. 877-310-9662. If we play your email or play your voicemail or read your email on the show, you will get your choice of a Diz Unplugged t-shirt or a Diz Unplugged pin and lanyard. And then at the end of every month, we select uh, one listener whose email or voicemail we played on the show, and that person gets to pick a number from the prize matron and could win anything from a $25 gift certificate all the way on up to a podcast cruise. So with that, we are going to go ahead and get started with our first voicemail this week. comes to us from Matt in Perry, Georgia, who is going to be visiting Disneyland in December and has some questions for us. So here is Matt. Hey, this is Matt, and I'm in Perry, Georgia. How y'all doing today? I uh, listen to y'all every day. Well, every day you're on, and I, I love it. Uh, but you've kind of ruined me. Uh, I find myself right. We'll go through the parks now looking at this restaurant saying, no, this restaurant's not good, but this one's good, and this one's good, because Kevin and uh, John say it's good. So I find myself being the tour guide of restaurants for my family. Uh, back in March, uh, we went to Disney World, and we stayed at the French Quarter. And uh, my wife needed a wheelchair. She had a problem with her foot, and they had a complimentary uh, wheelchair for us, so we didn't have to pay for a wheelchair. But I just uh, didn't hear y'all discuss that before. But uh, that was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I do have a question. Um, we're planning on going to Disneyland in December, the first week of December. And I was just wondering if you knew about the crowds, if the crowds were very big that time of year, if there's any specials going on that time of year. Um, we're planning on staying five or six days there and is that too many days to stay at Disneyland uh, should we rent a car and venture out I've heard y'all talk about it but just kind of want your feedback on it and uh, um, let me know thank you and I hope y'all have a great day keep up the good work and talk to you soon well thank you very much for calling in uh, for calling in Matt uh, as we you know I, I picked some Disneyland uh, voicemails for this week since we did uh Christmas in July, our Christmas in July segment this week was uh, about Disneyland. And so I'll just kind of repeat a little bit of what I said there in terms of the crowds. Uh, you know, during the week, they're not too terrible on the weekends. It's definitely much more pronounced. From Thursday night on through into Sunday, 
crowds can be a little nuts. So, you know, it's just it's a good idea. Practice good theme park strategy. Arrive early. Use fast passes. Make sure you have ADRs set up. Pay attention to what special events you want to attend. Have some kind of plan, some kind of schedule going in. Uh, but utilize be in the parks early. That's just, I'll tell you something, you'll see a lot. You'll get on a lot of rides before it gets nuts. Get in the parks early. So that's the best way to beat the crowds. Are the crowds crazy in December? No, they're not. Um, they just run on that weird Disneyland pattern, like I said, where the weekends are really, really heavy. Uh, now, as far as uh, as far as far uh, how many days uh, you should be out there, um, I don't find five or six days necessarily, in and of itself, too long to be at Disneyland. Um, if you really want to explore it and get to see everything, that is plenty of time. Uh, some people will find that they can cover the parks in three days and then may want to go out and do something else. Do I recommend venturing out around Southern California? Absolutely. Uh, you don't have to worry about renting a car at the airport if you want to do that. There is an Alamo car rental right there on site at the Disneyland Resorts, right across from the Disneyland Hotel. And uh, you can go in there, rent a car for the day, which is exactly what Walter and I did. We used uh, the transportation, the official transportation for Disneyland from LAX to the hotel. And then we just when we needed a car, we rented it. And that worked out very nicely. That was very convenient. And getting around to, uh, you know, areas over on the coast, if you want to go over to the Newport Beach, Huntington Beach, Laguna area, very easy to get to, about a half-hour drive, uh, about an hour down to San Diego, hour and a half, depending on the traffic. And then, of course, I don't really recommend, if you're not familiar and comfortable with driving in California, I don't, I don't recommend driving yourself into downtown. That can get a little ugly. Um, the only reason I would have to go downtown anymore uh, would be, or into Los Angeles, that area would be to go to Universal Studios, which should not be overlooked. And uh, there are shuttles that take you from the hotels at Disneyland uh, to Universal and back. That traffic is hateful out yeah, there. Yeah, it can be really hateful. It's like parking lot. So, just keep that in mind if you're going to uh, if you're going to uh, rent a car. And the other thing, um, also with especially with Disneyland, do not wait until the last minute to make your priority seating uh, reservations. They don't have anywhere near the number of restaurants out there that we have out here. Their restaurants fill up fast, and they fill up in advance. So especially for the big ones, like if you want to eat at the Blue Bayou, which is the restaurant there in the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, that's an extremely popular restaurant and tends to be very difficult to get reservations to. So really, if you haven't made your, reserva your, your ADRs already, do it now. Uh, don't wait. So those are my suggestions. I hope that, uh, hope that helps answer your question. What about the farmer's market? Farmer's market, farmer's market is great. Farmer's Market is located also in Hollywood. Hollywood's cool, a little seedy, a little dirty, but uh, the Farmer's Market is really, really cool. It's an authentic-type experience, but I don't know that it's worth dealing with that traffic. I don't think it's worth the drive. And I love it. It's one of the reasons I want to go back. It was <laughs> well, no, Honestly, I love it, too, but you know, I loved it because Bob drove. <laughs> you know, Bob dealt with... 
Somebody else was driving. I, th- that traffic just is. I, our experiences out there have never been that bad with traffic. And I don't know whether it's because it's New Jersey pops in. No, you know, I, the New Jersey in me pops in. Or I, what? I drove that stuff. I just. I See, the driving doesn't bother me. And I. Was driving a big I know what it's like church van the last time. I know what it's like trying to go through the Holland Tunnel coming into Jersey on a Friday at five o'clock. So I understand traffic, but I don't know. Out there, it just is definitely splurge and get a navigational system if you rent a car. Oh yeah, without a doubt, that helped us a lot when we went. We never would have. We wouldn't have found the uh, wild park. animal car, yeah. uh, wild animal park without it because we were going through subdivisions and stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, I mean it's weird because like where they had to put wild animal park. Was in like a, a, a valley, you know. It's surrounded by the mountains of San Diego, so it's kind of like located in a weird place. And we were driving down side streets, and I'm like, I'm saying to Walter, "No, we're in the, we, we've done something wrong. This thing is not taking us the right way." And then all of a sudden, you know, we come up a street, and there's Wild Animal Park. Recalculating. It was weird. So, I think my advice is: if you're going to do five days, you're probably going to want to venture off. Yeah, yeah I would property. think so. Yeah. It's, Disneyland's great. There's a lot of stuff to do. It's just there's not five days. Head out to Huntington Beach um, and uh, go have breakfast early in the morning over at the Sugar Shack on Main Street. Great place to have breakfast in Huntington Beach. It's a great, That's, and, great environment, that entire street, yeah. entire area over there. Friday and Saturday, they have the, uh, the market at the pier. Is that Friday and Saturday? Uh, yeah. Uh, in the Huntington Beach Pier, they have their craft market. I think it's Friday, every Friday and Saturday, yeah. That was kind of neat. I'm pretty sure it's every Friday and Saturday. But it's really cool. So I hope uh, hope that helps. Um, I've got one more voicemail I'm going to play. It's just another Disneyland question we want to uh, answer. This is from Chris in South Carolina, who has some questions about airports and transportation costs in uh, California. So here's Chris. Hey guys, this is Chris from South Carolina, Concept 5123 on the board. I did have a question for you. We're going to Disneyland here in October for the first time, and I had a question about the airports. Um, what's, what's the best airport to fly into? Would it be LAX? Um, I heard John Wayne Airport. What's the difference and um, transportation costs? And if you can help me out with this, it'd be great. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris. Well, I can tell you that uh, the difference is uh, John Wayne is a smaller airport, a cleaner airport, um, and a little bit closer. I, at least I think my perception is that it's a little bit closer to Disneyland. Not much of a difference either way. It's a good airport to price out. If you're planning a trip out to California, it is always a good idea to get an airfare price into LAX and into John Wayne because sometimes, just like we've talked about Orlando and Tampa, sometimes you can find a nice difference in price uh, one, with one over the other. Now, as far as transportation is concerned, whether you're going from LAX or John Wayne, doesn't matter. Uh, Disneyland has its contract for trans- airport transportation with the uh, Southern California Gray Line. And honestly, uh, based on the number and the look of the uh, shuttles, Disneyland shuttles that we saw at LAX when we were there, um, I would only go with Southern California Gray Line because that's the one Disney has the contract with. The rest of them looked really seedy. That's like their version of Magical Express. Um, no, it's not. Ma- no, it's 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 airport transportation. It's not. Lug- they, it's not luggage service and all that oh, other okay. stuff. It's, it's before they had Magical Express. They had a contract with Mears, 
where that was their primary one. If you called the Disney Travel Company, they would book all of their transportation through Mears. Yeah, I mean, you could take a Mears bus from Orlando, before Magical Express, from Orlando International to Disney property. It's the same thing. Um, the, uh, the cost uh, for that from LAX uh, is $20 per adult one way, $17 per child uh, one way. A uh, round trip is $30 for adults, $22 for children. If you're coming out of John Wayne, it's a little bit cheaper. It's $15 per adult one way, $13 per child, and $25 round trip per adult, $17 per child. And you can save $2 off of that if you book your transfers online. We will go ahead and have a link in the show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com, with uh, information about uh, the Southern California Gray Line and uh, how to book that transportation. So I hope that helps you. And who has an email they would like to read? I have one. Mine is from James in Daytona Beach. Hey, gang, this is the first time that I've been... Want me to read it for you? No, that's okay. I thought you were going to play my harp music there for a minute. No, I was just adjusting my... I don't want to hear it. ...device. Okay. (laughs) La, 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 la. (laughs) (laughs) This is my first time riding, but I've been listening for a while. Just love the show. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but Max just came flying across the room. (laughs) That's a good boy, Max. It's okay, baby. James writes, my girlfriend and I are annual pass holders for the last four years and frequent the resort quite a bit. My email is in regards to your email show from 718, the person with the bad experience with the Osborne lights. This could, this could be an explanation and also a tip for future guests at the lights. If it is raining or close, if it is raining or lightning or storming, different sections of the lights are sensitive to moisture. The sensors detect an amount of moisture that is unsafe for the electronics and automatically shuts off. Hmm. Very rarely does a section come back on once it is shut off that evening. This could have been what happened to that person who visited that day. If there was no rain, then I have no idea. This info I got came from an Imagineer when we were there one time and the lights were going off. I think this is a really cool thing to, to share with people that this might be what happened to the person who was mm-hmm. experienced the lights to go out again. I've never seen this happen. No, I haven't seen it either. It's such a weird thing that now two people are reporting that they've seen lights go out. I didn't listen to the show last week. I mean, the email show last week. Somebody somebody reported that uh, the lights were going out. Is that it? Saying that she showed up. She did Osborne lights several years ago, and she was very disappointed because not only were lights not working, but whole sections were out. So Mm -hmm. she was just disappointed in the lights at that point. And we all sat around here thinking, I've never heard that before. However, we also don't ever go out in the rain. That's true. We don't go out when it's hot <laughs> or sunny. The temperature or has to be perfect. It'll go out. Or Thursday. <laughs> or Thursday. Pretty much any day ending in Y. <laughs> Thanks, James, for the report and for your information about the lights. Thank you very much. Who else has an email they'd like to read? Well, actually, we have a good, uh, we have a good voicemail uh, coming up next. Not that the other two weren't, but... Uh, I have a good one I, for a change. I think... Uh, <laughs> No, I, I say I say specifically because uh, our uh, our listeners are starting to have dreams about John, <laughs> oh, and uh, one w- one woman decided to uh, Denise from Olathe, Kansas, decided to call in and share her John dream. So here's Denise. 
Hi, Roundtable. This is Denise from Olathe, Kansas here. I'm JPEKA65844 on the boards. I was actually going to post this on the podcast board, but I thought it was kind of a funny story, so I thought I'd call it in and see if it'll get played. I've really enjoyed following John and Kevin's blog about their recent cruise, and the dining reviews and pictures of food were just wonderful, very yummy. Well, I was reading Kevin's Portofino review one night before I went to bed, and I actually had a dream about John. Sorry, Kevin. I had a dream that I was at a restaurant with John, and by the way, I've seen a picture... Okay, do we notice it already involves food? John, and I know what he looks like, and he looked exactly the same in my dream, and he was wearing the casino shirt that you can see in the background of one of the Portofino pictures, but I digress. The casino shirt? We took some pictures one night when we were doing food porn, and I guess my picture was sort of in the background a little bit. I have a... I have a black shirt that I love that has sort of a Las Vegas feel to it. It's got a roulette table and okay, okay. And we're on the cruise. Oh, all right. So we're eating out, and John orders the old ninety sixer. Now, if you don't know what the old ninety sixer is, it's from the movie The Great Outdoors. In order to get a free meal for his family, John Candy orders and eats a ninety six ounce steak. It's probably been ten years since I've seen that movie, and I have no idea where it came from. I can still see vividly that steak sitting on John and I's table and him being so excited about eating it. Uh, unfortunately, I woke up before I could find out if he finished it. So I suppose the moral... Did you, did you finish the steak? Yeah, and you know, in the movie, you have to finish it grizzle and all, and that's how I did it. Okay. Well, the story is, John, don't order a 96-ounce steak, even if it means Kevin's meal will be free. It's just not worth it. My dream must be an omen that something bad will happen to you. Um, thanks, John Tibble, for listening to my crazy message. I hope it gave, gave you a good laugh. Keep up the great work. And, by the way, I've loved the addition of Will and Walt. Love all you guys. Uh, bye. Did she just put a curse on us? I think so. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I think she needs to lay off the Paxil before bed. Because <laughs> that's all. That's a drug-induced dream. Is what that is. John's John Candy, and he's got the 96er. And... Oh, my. <laughs> oh. I, I think I should be flattered that people are dreaming about me. That she's dreaming about you. Not in a good way. <laughs> Put in an artery clogging well, kind of way. <laughs> yeah. at, least, at least she's putting a steak in front of you in a dream. Actually. And you had clothes on. John and I have given up a steak. We really on very special occasions. We have given up ordering steaks. Out. Wow, I can't even do that for Lent. <laughs> As we reach a certain age, we start not to feel very well after we eat steak. So it's not for a political reason. You know, it's not because we like <laughs> yeah, cows. We would kill the animals. <laughs> Yeah. It's not a political statement because if I was hungry, I'd eat Max <laughs> <laughs> and wear him as a collar. Exactly. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! <laughs> make a make a hat out of his liver. That's right. Oh lord! I threaten I threaten Figaro all the time. If you keep it up, you're going to be a fur collar. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you uh, very much for that. From uh, th- 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 <laughs> thanks, Denise. <laughs> thank you, Denise, for that. 
Uh, Corey, you have one? I have one from Amy from Texas. Um, hey, podcast crew. I'm loving the Christmas in July podcast. It seems like Disney does some amazing things for Christmas, and I really hope I can make it out there during the holidays sometime, some year. While I am a Christian and love hearing about Christmas activities, I'm curious about what Disney does to celebrate other holidays during the season. Nothing. Do they have any Hanukkah events? No. Kwanzaa events? No. It is my understanding that Morocco in the World Showcase does not decorate for Christmas. Do they, Heathens. Do they have any displays of their faith at any other time, at any other time of the year? Thank you for your wonderful show. Um, it's a joke. Don't send me any emails. <laughs> Hate speech. I really haven't seen any activities for, uh, for Kwanzaa or Hanukkah. I do remember seeing a uh, storyteller outside of the American Adventure telling the story of Kwanzaa. Um, but that's really about it. I know on some of the trees they'll say, like, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. The I holiday did, trees. <laughs> yeah. I did some research, and there are no specific Hanukkah activities. Each of the resorts will have a menorah during Hanukkah. And during the candlelight processional, they do add a part of the dreidel song. But as far as Morocco, I know they don't decorate for Christmas. But do you all know of any them decorating any other time of the year? You mean like putting up the Ramadan decorations? <laughs> I do know that uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge will have some Kwanzaa-related stuff um, for the holidays as well. But, um, yeah, I think it's safe to say that the uh, focus of the holidays is Christmas everywhere in Walt Disney World. All right, well, thank you for that, uh, Corey. We have our Next voicemail coming to us from Chris in Missouri, who has some questions about the change in weather patterns here in Orlando. So here is Chris. Hi, guys. This is Chris. I'm calling from Missouri, and uh, I have a question for you. Um, I noticed you were talking about the unseasonable summer weather this year in your in your uh, podcast on the second. And uh, I think that we've all experienced some unseasonable weather. And if you listen to those that are talking global warming and climate change, uh, we may be seeing more of this. And, and I see that affecting particularly Disney, Disney's Florida theme parks. I wondered if you had considered how that might impact uh, the Florida theme parks and what, if any, um, changes or, or um, alterations, I guess, Disney might consider or you think that Disney might consider in order to address the type of climate changes that are being predicted uh, by at least some. Uh, this would not just include global warming, but more uh, frequent and significant severe weather. Just interested in your, in your thoughts on that. Thanks. Yes, Disney's already planning for those polar ice caps to melt, melt, and then all of their property will be beachfront. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't know what contingencies Disney is thinking about or could think about right now. Um, do I think that this change in weather patterns that we're seeing is related to global warming? If you're asking me for my personal opinion as a layman, yeah, absolutely. I think not just what we're seeing here. I think what we're seeing in uh, the rest of the country, the rest of the world for that matter, um, the, the, the planet is not pleased with us at the moment. And we've got a lot, of, a lot of things changing, you know, changing the state of the oceans, and that runs the weather. And you've got a lot more, you know, a lot of these um, 
these these melting glaciers and the and the shrinking polar ice caps, raising the water levels. I mean, there is. They talk about all sorts. I mean, if you've ever watched an inconvenient truth, uh, the Al Gore lecture um, about what it would look like if we lost certain a certain amount of the of the of the polar shelf, and what would happen to Florida. You're absolutely right. Orlando almost becomes beachfront, and uh, so. What kind of contingency they can make for that? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because if it gets to that point, the catastrophe is going to be so complete. I don't know that anybody's going to be worried about traveling to Disney for vacation. So build a resort on top of Expedition Everest. What I what I've seen here this this season, if this season's any, if this season is any indication, um, you know, I just think it's going to make it a lot more. It's just going to be a lot more challenging to be here because we're always having these weather events. Uh, just whether it's the the weather we're seeing recently with a lot of rain, a lot of uh, uh, storms coming in, or if it's uh, you know hurricanes. We've now had three storms in the last two weeks form uh, in the area. Fortunately, we've also gone through um, periods of severe dryness where we don't have any rain. Mm-hmm. Which is the other side of the coin, right? And then it makes it dangerous because of wildfires and things like that. As as far as what Disney can do because of global climate change, I think there's very little they can do. Um, <clears throat> like any other company, they might try to do some things like enclosing more um, attractions and making it easier for people to come here. But as far as what they they've already have things in place to help offset. Um, some of the issues that arise from, say, uh, increasing energy costs. Disney has their own energy plant, and they sell back some of their energy to the state of Florida, to the to the uh, local counties and local districts. So they've, I don't want to say they they thought this through, but they've thought through enough to they thought through enough to put these things in place to help them become more self sufficient and and take care of things. One of the big issues, of course, is you know. What's going to happen to the buses if gas prices go up so high, you know, things like that. I think we need to find a really creative solution to things like, um, you know, where we're going to find energy and stuff. I mean, I don't see why we can't get oil from a polar bear. There's got to be a way to, like, turn the endangered species into something that (laughs) I can either use for energy or eat. (laughs) Seems... Edit. This has been a moment with John. <laughs> Environmental studies with John Magi. I tell you, I'm trying to decrease my uh, carbon footprint by buying smaller sneakers. <laughs> Kidding, people. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm going to get emails on that. You like the way I just you like the way I just sneak up on you, right? Yeah. You think I'm all serious talking about stuff? The, way you the other day, out of the clear blue sky, I'm sitting there doing something, and he says to me, are polar bears edible? <laughs> what? Well, they're falling off those polar ice caps, and I'm thinking that's a waste of good food. <laughs> <laughs> You're bad. Whales are washing up on the shore. That's sushi. <laughs> What's wrong with people? A whale roll. A whale roll. <laughs> oh well, I'm just kidding. I really am. Just there you kidding. go, Chris. <laughs> I bet you never thought we'd be talking about eating polar bears as a result of your question. <laughs> Politically incorrect it unplugged. Will, it will always, always, always come back to food. Exactly. 
Oh, all right. Well, thank you very much for that, Chris. Uh, another email, anybody? I need to say hi to Anthony and Simon. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Simon. I think you should read this. I don't know if you have the answer. I have the answer, but all right, it's dining related. You need new ink. I do. I know. Are they getting like bobs? Are no. they barely visible? I'm having this weird thing with the first letters being cut off on my printer. I'm good at thinking we'll hit it out of the box. I'm ready. Whenever you are. Uh, this is from Charles Hackney in Melbourne, Florida. First off, I love your show and I find your humor and Pete's rants get me through the week. I'm an AP holder and excited that the idea that I can now add dining plan to my stays. Me and my friend, a non-AP holder, are planning a trip but want to use the dining plan. We will be sharing a room. Is there any way to do this? Since I do not need tickets, but she does, can I be on the AP-style dining plan and she be on the Magic Your Way dining plan? I understand that it just may not be possible for us to use the plan, but I thought it couldn't hurt to ask. Keep up the great work. Charles, I don't know the answer to this. The The... Easy answer is you cannot have people in a room doing different things. Everybody in the room has to be doing the same basic thing. If you if she wants to be in a magic, your way so that package, means when one person goes to the bathroom, everyone has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you all have to dress alike and walk in step. That's how we keep those smokers and the young kids all together. If she's going to be on the magic your way package, everyone in the room has to be on the magic your way package. Um, the thing about the annual pass holder. Annual passes is being able to add dining. Something to keep in mind is that only applies if you're booking an annual pass holder discounted room. Um, just being an annual pass holder doesn't allow you to just add dining to your reservation. That's not how it works. The idea is that people were complaining, saying, as an annual pass holder, I wasn't getting any breaks on the package, but I still want to add dining. So that's the um, sort of the crux of that dilemma there is everyone has to be on the same plan um i you could both be on the the dining plan the the good news is is that um you don't have to buy tickets with that she can buy her own ticket separate so that's not an issue he mentioned she he mentioned she needed tickets and he already had the annual pass that has nothing to do with the annual pass discount or uh, the dining plan so i'm sure you'll be able to figure something out Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. Uh, I actually have an email here from Bruce Pierce in New Britain, Connecticut, that I did want to read. Uh, he writes, I wanted to write and let you know how much I enjoy your podcast. Uh, it really does uh, brighten my days. I think just listening to your show has taught me a lot, not just about Disney, as I am kind of a Disney freak and have been blessed to go there more times than I could count. I've learned a lot about diversity as well. Probably a few years ago, I would not have understood about a relationship such as you and Walter have. I believe listening to your show has helped me grow as a human being. I enjoy the whole crew and all you folks have to offer. It seems in a way silly, but even though we have not met, I consider you and the podcast team my friends. When I'm planning my next trip to Disney, I know my friends will not lead me astray and will always be there to give me the right information. When Bob passed away, I cried. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Not just that he had died, but that... But the fact, fact that I cried for someone I did not even know personally. Uh, I plan on retiring to Florida in a few years, and my wife wants to pilot the monorail. I would work for you folks for free. Uh, you guys do a great job. Keep up the good work, Bruce, New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, well, that was, I thought it was a very, very nice uh, email, uh, Bruce. I really, uh, really appreciated that. 
And, you know, a lot of people say to us that, uh, you know, I know it's crazy, but, you know, we really feel like we're friends with you. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, you really, you do know us. You feel like you know us because you do. Uh, we don't get on the show and change personalities when the mics are on. Uh, we're not, as I've said before, doing shtick, although sometimes it may sound like that I'll when John wants to eat the polar bears. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's just us being ourselves, and we're sharing something um, of ourselves in the show. You know, I know there are some people that will not listen to the show because there are gays here. And you know what? Those people I don't want listening to the show. I'm not about mass appeal here. I'm about appealing to the people that like what we do and taking care of those people and giving those people what they want when they come to the site. Um, anybody's got a problem with me beyond that, yeah, go somewhere else. I don't want you here. So, but I thought this was uh, a lovely sentiment, and uh, it meant a lot to me that you wrote in uh, with this. It was it was really very nice. That's a very very nice email. And as far as working for us for free, most of our employees do. So <laughs> you fit right in. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. We have uh, another voicemail. Uh, this one um, <laughs> going from one to another. Uh, this one is from Tony. And who has some tips out there for all of us men dealing with the heat. I love this email. I love this voicemail. So here's Tony. Hi, this is Tony from Brea, and I've been listening to the podcast for the last two years. You guys have helped me a lot planning for my vacation that we're going to go to Disney World this August for. So I'm really excited, and thanks for all your help. I really wanted to call and give you guys a couple extra tips on dealing with the heat. Uh, Julie, you might want to cover your ears on this one. It's regarding friction. Uh, I just um, b- began running to lose weight about a year ago, and I discovered something called Body Glide. I don't work for them. I'm not trying to make any money, but it's something called Body Glide. You put it on, and you will be friction-free. I'm going to buy about a case of it as we're going in August. Insert visual here. <laughs> so there's my one tip to beat the heat is Body Glide. You can find it in a lot of sporting goods stores and running stores, and trust me, you'll be friction-free in the nice, humid Florida weather. I think it's called Thanks Pam. A lot. <laughs> friction. I've heard of using, but I know people who use Body Glide on their feet. It stops you from getting blisters as well. I think John should put it all over his body and then, like, fly across the tile. <laughs> <laughs> Run and slide in front of Cinderella's castle. <laughs> the four-court stage, yeah. Body Glide is supposedly a very good product. I've not used it, but what I'm is it like spray Teflon? What is it? <laughs> How does it not create friction? It, it, it is not Pam. Um. <laughs> Hands up against the walls. Bend over. Like, How is it applied? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! <laughs> you have to walk through like one of those self car washes. <laughs> it, it's. I believe it's a, a roll-on kind of oh, I thought actually have a prop from there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it would be like dipped, like we get through the fleas for the dog. <laughs> like a candle. Tell Tony, gold bond powder. You got a microphone, you tell him. <laughs> Tony, gold bond powder. <laughs> oh, that was great, Tony. I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the tip. So. Gold bond stops you from making your own gravy. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, wow! Wow! That absolutely earns a. (laughs) 
Walter's dying over here. <laughs> Walter's cracking Walter's up. Walter's not breathing. It's <laughs> like faces all red. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, thank you again for that, Tony. Uh, we have another voicemail from Trish in Canada who is concerned about some of the holiday events for her six- and three-year-olds. So as soon as I get myself organized here, Trish is number six. Here's Trish. Hi, podcast crew. It's Trish calling from Canada, CDOTLA on the board. Uh, first off, uh, I would just like to say I'm a first-time caller to the podcast, and I'd like to thank you so much for all of your time, effort, and energy on the podcast. Uh, like many, I look forward to it every week. I've gotten so much information uh, from the podcast. And uh, most importantly, I've gotten many laughs along the way. I also uh, credit you with bringing me into the uh, 21st century. I've just recently purchased uh, iPod solely so that I could listen to the podcast when I'm away from home. My question is in relation to your Christmas in July segment. I am thinking at this point in time of possibly doing a Christmas trip next year, and I will be bringing two small children with me, age six and four. One of the things I'm most interested in visiting Walt Disney World at Christmas is to see the decorations and to take in uh, many of the special performances, the top on my list being the Candlelight Processional. Uh, the other event that I'm most interested in is also uh, doing the Yuletide Fantasy Tour that Bob reviewed last year. Um, my concern with each of those um events is that they may not be suited to a six and a four-year-old, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that as to whether uh, the Candlelight Processional and the Yuletide Fantasy Tour that uh, takes you around Walt Disney World showing you all of the decorations, if, if uh, those two events are suited to small children. Uh, the other thing I would really uh, like to know is uh, where Kevin has booked his Christmas Eve reservation. I'm sure for obvious reasons that won't be disclosed until after uh, he's actually dined there on Christmas Eve. But um, anyways, we will have to just wait and see, and I hope we get a, a full review on your Christmas Eve dinner at Walt Disney World. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for focusing on uh, Christmas. I'm sure, like many of us, it's uh, it's a very popular time to travel, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your segments over the next four weeks. Thanks again, Podcast Crew. Bye for now. Well, thank you very much, uh, Trish, for the question. First, I can tell you that uh, where the Yuletide Fantasy Tour is concerned, you don't have to worry because it's only ages 16 and up. Uh, for that tour and uh, Bob did review that uh, for us last year we're going to put a link to his written review and to the uh, actual audio review uh, up on the show notes page this week as well um, as far as Candlelight Processional is concerned I don't know I usually see a lot of kids a lot of uh, a lot of younger kids at Candlelight and they all seem pretty I've never seen like you know it's joyous Christmas music. I don't see what... It's a 45-minute show, so it's not that long, and it's an open-air theater. Yeah. So even if your kids weren't really happy with it, leaving would not be... A big deal. Right. 
However, it's I mean, there's music that the kids are going to know. It's Christmas music. I don't think anyone's going to be there, you know, upset that they're being exposed to it. Do you? Something I mean, that I always find fascinates kids is every performance of the Candlelight Processional is signed. So if sign, you, with sign language. Right. There's a sign language interpreter. So if you explain to them what's happening... I find that a lot of times I can't take my my eyes off them. I'm listening to the music, but it's it's fascinating to me to watch. And for as as wonderful as a candlelight processional is, it's almost uh, the sign language interpreter is almost like the most entertaining thing on stage. It, I mean, it's she's almost incredible. like dance. It is. It is. It's it's very expressive. It's just not you know mechanical sign sign uh, language. It's. Very expressive. It's oh, it's beautiful. You're absolutely right. So that might be something that would keep their attention. And I have no problem telling people where we're going. Um, this was a tradition that we, John and my family, shared with Bob and his family. And we decided this year that we didn't think we could do it the same way. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't feel good. So right. we've decided to change things up a little bit, and we've changed our dinner. I've talked about it before. My favorite restaurant in Epcot at this point is uh, Chefs de France. So we have a Christmas Eve res- or a reservation for Chefs de France and the candlelight. Cool. I have no problem sharing that with people. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for that question, Trish. We appreciate it. All right, John, you have another one? I do. Mine's from uh, Lori, who is Mini Lore on the boards. I have a question that I've wondered about for a while. I got thinking about it again after watching the new Samantha Brown show on the Travel Channel. I know that there are a lot of transplants in Orlando that move there specifically for the mouse, but my question is about the long-time locals. I sat next to two gentlemen on a plane from Orlando to KC last winter. What's KC? Kansas City. Kansas City. Uh, I was thinking of... Sunshine Bend. No, I was thinking of fried food. Chicken. That's KFC. <laughs> yes. Back to the food again. <laughs> they were from Orlando, and they asked me about and they asked me what brought me to their hometown. When I mentioned Walt Disney World and that I stayed on property, they said, "Oh, how unfortunate." I didn't even hint at my addiction to the mouse before they gave me a cool brush off. So my question is, what is the general consensus around the Orlando area of Disney? Are the true locals disgusted with the invasion of their town? Does Disney have a bad reputation as an employer? Orlando has a thriving economy, isn't it? The courtesy of the mouse. Thanks for your help and insight. First, I want to mention if you haven't had a chance to see, uh, Samantha Brown has a new series out, and it's Passport to Great Weekends. She does Passport to Orlando. If you don't have a chance to see it, you should try to catch it. It's an excellent show, and it shows a lot of Winter Park and that area. So if you haven't seen it, it's really, really good. Um, and I understand what she's talking about. The odd phenomenon I found, when I, especially when I worked for Disney, was um, the locals almost hated it. Like there was this idea of we understand why it's there and it's driving the economy and everything. But there were locals who I – I met people who never have been to Disney who have lived here all their lives. So it's a very weird phenomenon that goes on. Yeah, the Disney World has nothing in common with Disneyland. And Pete mentioned it before. Disneyland is very local-driven. It has a very local or a very um, staunch fan base in the locals. Here, it's not so much. First of all, Walt Disney World isn't really part of downtown Orlando. It sits further out. Disneyland or Walt Disney World also is the cause of a great deal of traffic. It just doesn't have the local fan base that it does in California. And there are a lot of things outside of Disney World 
to do. Right. Um, we are, I think, the exception to the rule as far as people who live in Orlando. I am sure that we're in the park way more yeah. than 99.9% of the people who live here. I, it's well, just not something. Walter, didn't you not go to the parks before you got involved with Pete? I mean, wasn't that? No, he, he doesn't I think go I, to the parks now that he is involved <laughs> with me. No, I think I lived here 20 years, almost 20 years, and I never went. And I mean, to some people listening, they're amazed. How could you live here right. 20 years and not I go? kept going to a Universal. But, if know, it, even for locals, it's still expensive. Even though you, you don't have to stay at a hotel, you still need to buy tickets. So a lot of people just don't deal with it. Uh, also, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, Disney employs 55,000 people in the Orlando area. And uh, not all of them enjoy working for Disney. It's a, lot of the, a lot of those people make you know, slightly better than minimum wage. Uh, sometimes the hours are very long. Sometimes Disney can be tough to work for. Uh, I'm not saying that it's pandemic, that there's, you know, all these people hate Disney. But, you know, like every, anybody else, like any, in, in any other company town, because this really is in many ways a company town, uh, you get people that complain about this, complain about that to their friends, and they're blowing off steam, and that becomes the vision of that company as an employer, fairly or unfairly. So I think you have a lot of that here, too. You have a lot of people, you know, oh, I can't stand Disney, and... And I think some of it is a cool a coolness factor too that it's not really cool the way I've seen it that a lot of locals don't think it's cool to like Disney that it's cooler to you know you know, snub your nose at theme parks when in fact this would be this town would be a swamp if it wasn't for Disney let's be honest yeah it was there wasn't much here and you may have some locals who would who would contest that but you're crazy because that Disney makes this town. The other thing is, when people come here, you have unadulterated free time. When you're here, you're usually on vacation. Your time is your own. Life gets in the way of going to Disney World. Yep. I mean, you still, when you live here, you have groceries to buy and laundry to do and dogs to walk and, you know, doctor's appointments. And I, I think a lot of it also has to do with, I mean, think of somebody who lives in New York. How often does a New Yorker go to the Statue of Liberty? Every tourist that goes to New York wants to see the Statue of Liberty in the Empire State Building. When was the last time a New Yorker went to the top of the Statue of Liberty or the Empire State Building? Or went and saw a Broadway show? Yeah. It's one of those things that it's here. Well, the Broadway shows, they do. But uh, in terms of things like the Statue of Liberty and the Empire State Building, you're right. It's one of those things that it's here. So a lot of times it just gets overlooked. And not a, a circle line tour. Yeah. I mean, if you live near a tourist attraction, how often do you actually visit it? And you're right. There's, uh, I know people, I work with, have worked in the past with a lot of people, and Disney is unaffordable to people who live here. Absolutely. An annual pass costs, costs several hundred dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, every year, a group of our friends, we go to the Food and Wine Festival. We get about 20 to 30 people. We all go. The biggest thing of that day is, okay, who has tickets? Who has a main gate pass? I can get other people in. And it's, it's a big deal, you know, even for that one day. I'll give you a quick explanation of what you're talking about. Uh, cast members can get a certain number of people in for free um, depending on their status, uh, how many times they can do that a year, how many people they can get in on any given day. <clears throat> and there may be blackout dates associated with that as well. So when you talk about a main gate pass, you're talking about the cast member getting someone into the park. Right. Um, I, I We find there's, there's a, a lot of times there's a love-hate relationship with Disney. There are people here who's who may not work for Disney, but their livelihood depends on it in some ancillary way. 
However, there's almost an animosity of, look what Disney's done. Look at the traffic they brought in. Look at the pollution. Look at the, not that it's polluted, but look at the uh, you know, the impact it's had on my life, which is negative. Yep. Thank you very much for, for that. Uh, we have our next voicemail comes to us from Neil in Syracuse, who has some suggestions for people who would like to know more about Walt Disney the Man as well as some suggestions for our site. So here is Neil. How are you doing, Diz Dudes? This is Neil from Syracuse. Um, I'd like to talk a minute about um, Walt Disney the Man. I know a lot of the uh, stuff that gets covered here is about Disney as a destination, uh, but there's a lot of people out, out there that really would like to know more about the person behind what created Disney World and Disneyland and the whole Disney empire. I've come across a good book that I've been reading called Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination. It's an excellent book that chronicles Walt's life um, from birth to death. And um, I haven't made it all the way through it yet, but it is, uh, it is very good if you want to know what motivated Walt to, to create everything that he created. Um, for those people who don't have the time to go through a book, and it is a, a fairly hefty book, um, I came across on Netflix a DVD called uh, Walt, the Man Behind the Myth, and contains a lot of the details that were in the book, and uh, it's very interesting if you want to see in pictures uh, what Walt's life was like. And the DVD really complements the book because... Uh, you get to actual, actually see um, um, archival footage and home movies of, of Walt was like. So I'd like to recommend both of those for people who would like to learn more about uh, Walt Disney the man. Uh, to get to my questions, um, a lot of us tend to um, come to the website when we're interested in finding out more information when we're planning a trip. Um, I love Kevin's reviews of restaurants, uh, but I just kind of listen to them off to the side when he does them because they really aren't that important to me until I'm ready to go on a trip. Um, I've been to the website, and I've seen you do try to chronicle some of that information, um, but what would be nice is if you had not only a listing of the restaurants, um, but a rating along with it, so that and maybe a couple of lines that describe what was good or what was bad about the restaurant. It would be nice to have something that if you're deciding to go on the last minute, you can print off the document with all of the ratings and, and take it with you. Um, some of us don't plan our vacations months in advance, and um, to have a document that you can print off, take with you, and, and have it to refer to on your trip would be a, a nice benefit, um, either as a PDF or, or whatever. And um, I would also like to see more reviews of off-property restaurants. Um, while staying on property is nice, we've always chosen the um, less expensive route of staying off property, uh, so we would tend to visit more, uh, more off-property restaurants. So um, having more of those reviews uh, would be definitely helpful. Um, one last question that you can answer for me. Um, when we're going on our next trip, Chef Mickey seems to be one of the destinations that we all like to go to. Um, if 
normally in the past when we've gone to Chef Mickey, we've gone along on a day that we've gone to one of the other parks, so we simply hop on the monorail and head over there. If by some chance we plan to go there on a day where, there, where we are not at a park, if you were to drive there, uh, are you required to pay parking if you drive over to the hotel in order to go to Chef Mickey's? Um, that's something we've never done before, and I wasn't sure if we had to incur, incur a, a parking charge just to go to the restaurant at the hotel. So keep up the work. Good work, guys. Um, I love listening to the podcast, and um, keep it going. It, it's, a, it's a great show. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for the... Uh uh, for that voicemail, Neil, I appreciate the information and the suggestions for the site. Let me address your question first. Uh, you do not have to pay to self-park um, as a non-resort guest at uh, at the Disney Hotel. So you don't have to worry about that. You can drive to the Contemporary, park your car, go in, have, uh, uh, go in and have, have breakfast at Chef Mickey's and leave. Uh, what they may do, because you're not a resort guest is the parking pass that they'll give you as you go through the uh, uh, the guard shack will be a two-hour pass. It's not going to be the typical, just get head on in, have a good time. They're right. gonna put, you have to put something in your windshield. They don't do it all the time, and it depends on the time of year and how busy the hotel is and how busy the parks are. Because, frankly, there are a lot of people that drive in saying, I'm going to Chef Mickey's, and then they turn around and they walk over to the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, same Most thing at the, the Polynesian. T- most of the time, they'll check their manifest, and you had better have a, a reservation for the restaurant. And as far as your... Uh, Before you move on, I want to add one thing to that. No. Okay. If you have... You see how I listen to you? <laughs> if you purchase the Disney Dining Experience card, in addition to money off of your, uh, your bill for the food that you purchase, they also have complimentary valet parking for uh, anyone who's going to be dining. Oh, that's right. So if you're going to think about investing in that, that's something that adds to the value of the Disney Dining Experience card. At some of these hotels, um, Contemporary is not so bad, but if you're thinking like the Grand Floridian, self-parking is literally across the street. So in some of these hotels, you can park really far away for self-parking. So you might want to consider that valet parking is very convenient and also complimentary with the Disney Dining Experience card. And if it's raining. Mm. Yeah. A million degrees out. All, all the above. So, and again, thank you very much for your, for your suggestions, Neil. Um, also, can I just address Neil's rating system? I've been asked this before, why I don't give it four forks or, you know, stars or happy faces or whatever. I think we should give them polar bears. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've thought about this, and I don't really do a restaurant review the way other people do a restaurant review. Mine's more an experiential review. I tell you about the experience from the very start to the very finish, and they're all based on one visit. So I don't feel comfortable saying that, you know, I give so-and-so five stars. There's a possibility that you might have a good experience there. You might have a bad experience. I review the restaurant based on our experience at that time. So I don't know that a, a, a star system or a fork system would work. So I just wanted to know that we had I had considered it. But. but there are some good ideas there. We'll take a look at, Neil. We do appreciate it. So thank you very much for calling in with that. And to wrap up our show, our last voicemail comes to us from Megan who is going to be going in early December 
to Walt Disney World, and she has some questions about Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party for first-timers. So since this is a popular question, and we get it a lot, even though we did talk about it on the show a few weeks ago, it's worth repeating. And uh, so here is Megan. Hey, podcast crew. Hi, Pete, John, Kevin, Julie, Corey, Will, and Walter. Um, I thought I'd call with a few questions as I'm really excited you guys are going to do some Christmas-themed podcast in July. We are um, going to be going in early December, so um, I'm very excited for these upcoming few weeks of podcasts. By the way, I absolutely love your, your new sound effects, Pete. They are they're awesome. I uh, got a kick out of you, uh, your Zamfir music when uh, John was trying to do his How to Stay Out of the Heat segment. That was pretty funny. <laughs> and, uh, and I love, love the Bobisms. Those are just great. Anyway, we will be there early December, like I said. We're planning on going to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Um, we've never been before. This will be our first time. I was just wondering if you guys could discuss the different events that go on at the party. And then, um, you know, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to make to make all of them, but I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, the not-missy shows or events or stuff that happen during the Christmas party. That would be awesome. Anyway, and um, I had a question more, another question kind of for Julie. We are... Um, we'd like to bring some Disney-themed Christmas stuff back with us this year so we can kind of keep the magic going and celebrate, you know, Christmas, a Disney-themed Christmas, Christmas at home. Um, I know they do ornaments and stuff like that, but I thought Julie might have some great ideas using her uh, shopping expertise over there at the World to, uh, you know, what, what kind of neat stuff we could bring back to make it a really special Disney Christmas at home. Anyway, this is Megan. Um, I'm Alaskan Mommy on the boards. Um, you guys do a great job. Keep up the good work, and um, thanks a lot for doing what you do. Well, thanks very much for calling in, Megan. I don't know. You guys have done the Christmas party a lot. Not, if you have to narrow it down, top three things don't miss. First of all, is uh, right before the Christmas party, they'll do the, the castle lighting ceremony. Got to see that. Make sure you catch that. Twas the night before Christmas at the Galaxy Theater in Tomorrowland. Right. If you have young ones, well, anyone will enjoy it, but if you specifically have young ones, don't miss the dance parties. Usually they have two in the park, so you should be able to catch one. Okay, the dance parties are ongoing. You, As you walk around, those right. are not specific times usually. You can kind of step into those. I would have to say number three, the third thing, you not miss the fireworks. Don't miss right. those holiday fireworks. And the parade. All right, that's four things. Now, but I, what I was going to do is <laughs> no, I was going to choose one. I, I you can't see both. Can't, yes, you can. No, you're not allowed. You can. Disney Megan, said, you can do says it on the ticket, so you're not allowed to, to see both. <laughs> the way we explained it the last time was, if you want to see everything, the things that we've talked about, see the castle lighting ceremony and then beeline for the Galaxy Theater. If you see the first show of Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is a great show, you can then catch the fireworks and the parade. If you don't make that first... Uh, Nightmare or night nightmare nightmare <laughs> night before Christmas show. You then have to choose between that and the fireworks or the parade, because the times overlap. It's the only way to see everything is to make sure you see that show first. So get see the the cash the castle lighting first. As soon as you see that, beeline over to the Galaxy Theater for the night before Christmas, and then you can grab both fireworks and parades. Very good tip. Okay, as for your Christmas decorations, something that. 
people have been bringing to my attention. Disney offers you the opportunity to have personalized Christmas ornaments. However, you cannot wait on these. Around the holidays, the wait for these can sometimes be days. So if you think taking home personalized Christmas ornaments is something that you're going to want to do, I know the wait at Downtown Disney can sometimes be up for to a week. There are Christmas shops in most of the parks. Um, there's one at Downtown Disney. There's a Christmas shop in the Magic Kingdom. Um, I'm, I, well, Hollywood Studios, the main store. Right. Here comes Christmas. What you want to do at Downtown Disney, if you're going to get your want to get your personalized Christmas ornaments, you have to do it the very first thing so you can pick them up before you go home. If you wait till the middle or the end of your stay, the wait to pick them up is going to be such that you won't even end up doing it. That's another tip. Get your personalized Christmas ornaments immediately. Right. One of the big things that people seem to love is the... Uh, the monorail set you can buy, but now they also sell the individual hotels. You can get the contemporary. You can get the Epcot wall. You can get the Polynesian now, can you get? Yep. And the ticket and transportation center hub you can get. The castle. The castle. So these are all cool things you can get and set them up at home instead of a traditional train. Might the other you. thing is, some I read it on another website, uh, due to airline regulations, you cannot bring snow globes on the plane with you so if oh are these a terrorist threat now too well because of the liquid, the liquid. content there's more than three ounces of liquid oh my lord if you're going to buy a snow globe or you're a snow globe collector pay the money and have Disney ship it to you you can't carry it on the plane with you I just read an article uh, something about never would have thought of that a woman who went to Las Vegas and bought a snow globe to take home from her and it was confiscated at security look out she's got a globe right she's got a snow globe <laughs> so if you're one of those collectors just make sure that you pay the extra money to have Disney ship it to you the other thing is they're big and they're bulky and you don't want to deal with it anyway so that's you, before you when you before you finish up make sure you look at the price is it going to be worth the extra money to ship that puppy home Right. Also, Julie did a review of the Christmas store at Downtown Disney and the one at the Magic Kingdom. So, I mean, go back and listen to those. I know Julie's very detailed on her store oh, yeah. tours. So, Incredibly detailed. Um, you might be able to pick up some ideas there. Um, there's a photo gallery that goes along with it. So just go browse through there. You might get some ideas. One thing we like to do, we like to buy uh, little character ornaments, little tiny ones. And when we do go back home for Christmas, we usually like to hide ornaments on other people's trees. They know if it's a Disney ornament, it came from us. So we'll just like keep ornaments in our pockets and if we go to a house with a Christmas tree we'll hide it they usually don't find it until they're taken down their Christmas tree but it's always fun also I um, there's a, something called the Disney Classics Collection those are those really expensive statues that they sell in the art of Disney they've just recently started putting out some Christmas ornaments based on the kids from It's a Small World they're $29 a piece so if you think that's something that would appeal wow. to you they're really cute. That's cute. I've started collecting them. Yeah, most of my tree is pretty much all Disney stuff. Ours isn't all Disney, but there's a good... It's represented. It's a goodly amount. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I hope that answers your question, Megan. Thank you very much for calling in. Thanks to everyone who called and wrote. And we'll just repeat it one more time. If you'd like to send us an email, send it to podcast at wdwinfo.com. Leave us a voicemail. It's toll-free. The United States, Canada, and Mexico, 877-310-9662. And that is going to do it for our show this week. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back with you again next week 
with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. You have a great week, everyone. <laughs>